Section 174 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 208. Blackheath, September 30th, 1757. My dear friend, I have so little to do that I am surprised how I can find time to write to you so often. Do not stare at the seeming paradox, for it is an undoubted truth that the less one has to do, the less time one finds to do it in. One yawns, one procrastinates, one can do it when one will, and therefore one seldom does it at all, whereas those who have a great deal of business must, to use a vulgar expression, buckle to it, and then they always find time enough to do it in. I hope your own experience has by this time convinced you of this truth. I received your last of the eighth. It is now quite over with a very great man, who will still be a very great man, though a very unfortunate one. He has qualities of the mind that put him above the reach of those misfortunes, and if reduced, as perhaps he may, to the marsh of Brandenburg, he will always find in himself the comfort, and with all the world the credit, of a philosopher, a legislator, a patron, and a professor of arts and sciences. He will only lose the fame of a conqueror, a cruel fame that arises from the destruction of the human species. Could it be any satisfaction to him to know, I could tell him, that he is at this time the most popular man in this kingdom, the whole nation being enraged at that neutrality which hastens and completes his ruin. Between you and me, the king was not less enraged at it himself, when he saw the terms of it, and it affected his health more than all that had happened before. Indeed, it seems to me a voluntary concession of the very worst that could have happened in the worst event. We now begin to think that our great and secret expedition is intended for Martinico and San Domingo if that be true, and we succeed in the attempt, we shall recover, and the French lose, one of the most valuable branches of commerce, I mean, sugar. The French now supply all the foreign markets in Europe with that commodity. We only supply ourselves with it. This would make us some amends for our ill luck, or ill conduct in North America, where Lord Loudon, with twelve thousand men, thought himself no match for the French with but seven and Admiral Holborn, with seventeen ships of the line, declined attacking the French, because they had eighteen, and a greater weight of metal, according to the new sea phrase, which was unknown to Blake. I hear that letters have been sent to both with very severe reprimands. I am told, and I believe it is true, that we are negotiating with the Corsican, I will not say rebels, but asserters of their natural rights, to receive them, and whatever form of government they think fit to establish, under our protection, upon condition of their delivering up to us Port Ayaccio, which may be made so strong and so good a one, as to be a full equivalent for the loss of Port Mahon. This is, in my mind, a very good scheme, for though the Corsicans are a parcel of cruel and perfidious rascals, they will in this case be tied down to us by their own interest and their own danger, a solid security with knaves, though none with fools. His Royal Highness the Duke is hourly expected here. His arrival will make some bustle, for I believe it is certain that he is resolved to make a push at the Duke of N., Pitt, and company. But it will be ineffectual, if they continue to agree, as to my certain knowledge they do at present. This Parliament is theirs, cetera quis nesit. Now that I have told you all that I know or have heard of public matters, let us talk of private ones that more nearly and immediately concern us. Admit me to your fireside, in your little room, and, as you would converse with me there, 
Write to me for the future from thence. Are you completely nip yet? Have you formed what the world calls connections? That is, a certain number of acquaintances whom, from accident or choice, you frequent more than others? Have you either fine or well-bred women there? Y a-t-il quelques bon temps? All fat and fair, I presume, too proud and too cold to make advances, but at the same time too well-bred and too warm to reject them, when made by un honnête homme avec des manières. Mr. is to be married, in about a month, to Miss. I am very glad of it, for, as he will never be a man of the world, but will always lead a domestic and retired life, she seems to have been made on purpose for him. Her natural turn is as grave and domestic as his, and she seems to have been kept by her aunts a la grasse, instead of being raised in a hotbed, as most young ladies are of late. If, three weeks hence, you write him a short compliment of congratulation upon the occasion, he, his mother, and Tutti Conti would be extremely pleased with it. Those attentions are always kindly taken, and cost one nothing but pen, ink, and paper. I consider them as drafts upon good breeding, where the exchange is always greatly in favor of the drawer. A propos of exchange, I hope you have, with the help of your secretary, made yourself correctly master of all that sort of knowledge, course of exchange, agi, banco, reshtale, down to Marianne Groschen. It is very little trouble to learn it. It is often of great use to know it. Good night, and God bless you. End of section 174. Read by Professor Heather and by. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.